Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett giving you the Monday broadcast. So glad that you're joining us. We are coming to you as a ministry of Hickory Ridge Community Church right here in Chesapeake, Virginia. I hope that you will come and enjoy a service with us one Sunday. We meet at 9 o'clock and 1030 a.m., and we're so excited about what God is doing through our church. And if you enjoy this broadcast, I'd invite you to listen to us also on the podcast that we do. And uh, let me give you that free download of this podcast. It's called buzzsprout.com. And let me go ahead and give that to you. It's B-U-Z-Z-S-P-R-O-U-T.com backslash 1890557. Buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557. If you have any problems, you can certainly give me a call at 757 757- 421-7500. That is the phone number for the church. Or you can call me or text me on my cell phone, 252-267-2365, 252-267-2365. Well, I'm so excited about what God is doing. I've met a few of our listeners. Uh, just this week, I had a man who uh, came up to me and shook my hand and he says, uh, you don't know me and I don't know you, but I listened to you on the radio. And he came and uh, he was part of one of our ministries of our church this week. And I was so glad to meet him. Uh, so if you are listening to the broadcast, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can support this broadcast. This is a ministry of our church. And if you'd like to support the broadcast, you can go on online and you can go ahead and give toward our broadcast. And uh, if you go to hrcc7.org, uh, that is our church website. And you'll be able to see on that website all the ministries of Hickory Ridge Community Church, what God is doing and how you can be involved. But there's also a tab uh, for making donations. And if you just mark that as for the radio broadcast, everything that you give uh, will help to uh, pay for the cost of broadcasting. We'd love to hear from you. And thank you so much for listening to the broadcast. Well, I want to look at the book of Romans today. Today and tomorrow, we want to talk about this subject of having grace for the race. Okay, we are in a race, and there's no doubt about it. Today, uh, the Christian life is not a sprint race. I don't know about you, but I tell people that my body was built for comfort, not for speed. And uh, I don't run very fast, but I used to run cross country. As a matter of fact, if you see me running now, you know something's going down, right? If you see this uh, portly middle-aged man running, then you better run too because something is happening. Uh, But when you think about grace, grace for the race, God gives us the ability to finish our course. Yeah, I love what it says about David. Luke wrote this about David in the book of Acts. He says, when David completed his purpose, God took him on home. When David finished the race that God had for him, God took him home. So today I want to talk to you about a very important subject, and I'm going to offer the the subject as a question. And the question is this, are you justified? Now, this is a guy by the name of Robert Philip Hansen. He was a former FBI counterintelligence agent, and he is a man that had a stellar career. For 25 years, uh, he served faithfully uh, in the FBI, and he was one of these guys that was a strong believer, and uh, he was one of these guys that went around and told everybody about his faith and uh, how uh, you got to be born again and, and the importance of having a relationship with God. And uh, unfortunately, though, uh, this man was living a double lifestyle. This former FBI counterintelligence agent was given away secrets to the Russians. In 1985, 
he was actually spying for the Russians. Those who knew him, even those who knew him very well, they were stunned. How could this happen? How could this man live such a double lifestyle? The Charlotte Observer said this about this man. He must have been able to compartmentalize his life, deluding himself into thinking that espionage was simply an an exciting intellectual challenge that had nothing to do with leading a good, moral Christian life. Well, I can tell you something about Mr. Robert Henson. He has never been truly born again. Now, he is now serving out a sentence, and he'll be incarcerated probably the rest of his life. But I want you to know that when we are justified, we are different. We're going to talk about that word justification, and we're going to talk about what it is, what it looks like, how we become justified. One of my favorite devotional books entitled, My Utmost for His Highest, by Oswald Chambers, and he says this, it is the saddest thing to see people who are trying to serve God, depending on that which the grace of God never gave them. They're depending solely on what they have by virtue of heredity. God does not take our natural virtues and transform them because our natural virtues could never come close to what Jesus wants. No natural purity can ever come up to his demands. But as we bring every part of our nature, bodily life, into harmony with the new life that God has placed within us, he will exhibit in us the virtues that were characteristic of our Lord Jesus Christ. And every virtue we possess is his and his alone. That was Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. In other words, you cannot live out the Christian life on your own strength. We are never designed to do that. We're never called to do that. The only way you can live a Christian life is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about this very important word, justification. Now, as I write things, and I use Word documents all the time, and and maybe you're very familiar with Word documents, and one of the features of, of Word documents are that you can set your margins to justify what you are typing. So justification in typing is that the text is all aligned on the left margin or the or the right margin, and they're flush and everything lines up. And I kind of like things that way. Uh, I'm a little bit OCD. I like things lined up, and I like things orderly. Uh, whenever I give a message, I like to have things numbered. I like to have them straight, and I like to have no confusion. Uh, I've I've seen some pastors, and I've seen their notes, and they're they're like all over the place. They got these little notes scribbled all, uh, over here and over there, and I don't know how they can figure out where they're going with their message. Uh, I'm not that way. I like everything lined up. Lined up, uh, point one, point two, point three. A lot of times I use things like alliteration or having everything beginning with the same letter. And I do that because it's easier for me to remember it and it helps me to, to justify my message. Well, there's justification in writing. There's another justification that we're very familiar with, and we can call it self justification. Self justification is when I do something that I shouldn't do, but I justify it. Uh, simple things like, like, like I justify my wrong action. Uh, and I use just a, a really simple, almost pathetic uh, illustration. You know, the other day I was trying to make some copies uh, at the copy machine at the church, and uh, it was cardstock, and I was making these Bible verses, and I've been, I'm encouraging our congregation to memorize 30 Bible verses in this new year. And uh, and I had made 100 of these cards, uh, and because uh, I want to send out 100 packs, and then I had to make another uh, 30. 
30 because we ran out and, and then I, we ran out again. So we have over 130 people that are taking this challenge. And so I'm trying to make some more of these little cards, business size cards with verses on the front side and on the back side. And uh, the, the thing keeps jamming up into the copy machine. And uh, I tell you what, it is extremely frustrating. And so finally, I just walked away from that thing. And I said, I can't figure out this stupid machine. And I just kind of walked away from it. Well, one of the other ladies came in and, uh, and said, well, well, who messed up the cop machine? And I said, well, I don't know who did that. And uh, he said, that's a stupid cop machine anyway. That thing doesn't work half the time. And, and uh, we have like three or four copiers in the, in the church. And, and this is the big cop machine that we use when we're doing big jobs. And, uh, and what I, I self-justified myself. I said, that's stupid cop machine. I didn't take responsibility for jamming up the cop machine. I blamed it on the machine. You know, that's kind of how human nature is. Way back to Adam and Eve, Adam actually blamed God and, and Adam blamed Eve for falling into sin. James talks about self-justification when he writes in James 1.13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. Kind of reminds me of a sad story of a man who came to me one day for counseling and he wanted some marriage counseling. And I discovered why his marriage was in trouble is because he had eyes for another woman. And as he's sitting in my office, he is trying to self-justify himself uh, and having a relationship with somebody who is not his wife. And this is what he said to me, and I'm kind of paraphrasing what he said to me. He said, well, now, Pastor, if God didn't want me to have this relationship with this woman, why did he allow her to be my secretary? Why did God place her in my life at just this time in my life? Why did God allow her to be in that position where I would see her every day and I'd spend time with her every day? And so he was trying to look at this whole situation like God had brought them together. And obviously this was a God thing. Now you think about that. That's some real convoluted thinking, but it's not too uncommon for our world today. I told this young man as as he's sitting in my office, I says, you know, there is a Greek word for what you're trying to do. And, uh, and I pondered for, and paused for just a moment. And I says, I am not a Greek scholar by any stretch of the imagination, but there is a Greek word that I would like to use to explain what is happening in your life. And I says, here it is. It's, it's a, a two-part word. It's called hogwash. Yeah, what you're trying to tell me is hogwash. James says, no one, when he is tempted, could say, I am being tempted by God. Why? Because God does not tempt with evil. He himself tempts nobody. But each person is tempted, James says, when he's lured away and enticed by his own desires. And then when desire hath conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So we've talked about justification in writing. We've talked about self-justification. What does it mean to be God-justified? You know, God justification is my life is lined up with God. It is not me declaring that I'm justified. It is God declaring that I'm justified. In other words, God says, you are just like you have never sinned. It's not because of what I've done. It's because I have believed in what Jesus has done for me. He, not me, declares me righteous. Romans chapter 4, the very last word of Romans chapter 4 is the word justification. It's how you get right with God, to declare someone right. So Romans 4 ends with that word justification. Romans chapter 5 continues on that theme. 
Let's read verses Romans 5, verses 1 through 11. Therefore, or we could say, since, or let us therefore, since we have been justified through faith, have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let me read that, okay? Because we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God made available through Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Don't you love that? We're bragging on God's glory, not our own glory. When we were bragging in our own glory, we would call that self-justification. Verse 3, Paul says, not only so, but we also glory in his sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Paul says in verse number six, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. And then Paul says, you know, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only in this is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Well, there are five things that I want to share with you about justification by faith. Now, these are very important for you to get your mind around these things, because justification, number one, is not just a New Testament doctrine. It is a whole Bible doctrine from Genesis to the book of Revelation. The gospel is sharing the good news of how mankind can be justified before God. In Genesis chapter 15, verse number six, it says that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. And then you get what Moses is saying about Abraham. Abraham puts his confidence in God, puts his belief in God, not in what he was doing, not his works, but his belief in God. And as a result of that confidence in God, God gave him or credited to him righteousness. In other words, this is really an accounting term where on one set of the the sheet, you have your debt, and on the other side, you have the credits, And on the side of debt was our sin. We have a sin debt that we cannot pay. And what does Jesus do about that? He dies on the cross so that he can give us the credit of righteousness. He takes our debt, pays our debt, and gives us a credit and credits us with righteousness. This is a whole Bible doctrine. Now, this is another thing about justification by faith. It's another way of saying we are saved, but we're not saved by works. Romans 3.28 says, we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of law. You see, we are justified by faith. We're putting our faith in Christ, not in our works, not in our ability to bring about salvation through our own efforts. 
Here's the third thing that we need to know about justification. Not as an, it's a whole Bible doctrine. It's another way of saying that we're saved, uh, not by works. Uh, number three, it doesn't mean that our faith is the ultimate cause of our justification. Now, now this is so important. You know, our nation is quickly changing its belief system. It used to be we had about 3% of our population that would consider themselves atheist. And we currently have about six, between 6 and 7% of our population that considers themselves atheist. Now, what is alarming is, is not those particular numbers. What is really alarming is the number of people in the United States who would claim to be more along the lines of an agnostic. No, an agnostic basically believes this. If God exists, I'm not sure that he does, but if he does, he's not really interested in having a relationship with me. I'm not sure that he exists. I can't prove that he does. I can't prove that he doesn't. Uh, But if he did exist, he'd not be interested in me. Wouldn't be interested in having a relationship with me. Even if he created everything, which is a possibility, an agnostic would say, it's possible that God created things. And, And if he did, that's good. He set things in action. He set the he set the, the course of action, but he's certainly not interested in a personal relationship with me. Now, as a result of the rise in, in what is considered an agnostic belief, we have transitioned our faith to faith in and of itself. In other words, I'm still a spiritual being. I'm still interested in faith, but my faith is in something other than Christ. It might be faith in me. It might be faith in in my job. It might be faith in my ability. It might be faith in nature. It might be faith in government. It might be faith in some kind of entity out there, some spiritual force, some higher being. My faith is in something, but it's not in Christ. 63% of Americans would consider themselves spiritual, but not religious. So when we think about we're justified by faith, it doesn't mean that our faith is the ultimate cause of our justification. Paul put it this way in Romans 4.25, Christ was delivered up by God for our trespasses and raised by God for our justification. Justification is made possible because of what Christ has done for us. And our faith is putting our belief in him. It's not a belief in ourselves. It is a belief in him. So we've learned so far that Justification by faith is an entire Bible doctrine. We've discovered that it's another way of saying that I'm saved not by my works. And it doesn't mean that our faith is the ultimate cause of our justification. It's Christ that is the ultimate cause of our justification. And then number four, it affirms that good works will follow our faith. How do I know I've been justified by faith in Christ? Good works will follow. Martin Luther put it this way, we are saved by faith and faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. Paul put it this way in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 6, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So my faith, my justification by faith affirms that good works are going to follow me. You know, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 is a passage that we love, right? For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That is a powerful two verses, isn't it? 
But don't forget verse number 10. Paul says we were created to do good works. In other words, once we receive this free gift of salvation, we can't help but do good works out of a heart of gratitude. Well, there's one other thing I want to share with you about this matter of justification by faith. It's an entire Bible doctrine. It's another way of saying that we're saved uh, not by uh, works. It, It doesn't mean that our faith is the ultimate cause of our justification. It affirms that good works will follow our faith. And and number five, this is probably most important. When I am justified by faith, it brings glory to God. Paul said in Romans chapter 4, verse 20, No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. This is talking about Abraham. Abraham did not waver concerning the promise of God. Now, he wavered in some places in his life. There's no doubt about that. He wavered, and sometimes he thought that God had another way of doing it, but he never lost sight of the promise of God. He realized that God was going to do what he promised to do. Uh, Sometimes Abraham had a hard time figuring out exactly how God was going to do that, but he didn't waver on the promise that God was going to come through. Well, I have got some really good news for you today. We're going to start looking today about being justified by faith. There are three things that are going to be in your life, and we're going to have to pick up the second half of this in the broadcast tomorrow. Uh, But number one, I'm going to have peace with God when I've been justified by faith. I'm going to have God's power and I'm going to have God's purpose. Well, let's just look at the first one, and then we'll get to the other two tomorrow, okay? Number one, God's peace provided, initiated by faith. It's immediate. We have immediate peace with God. You see, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, at once, the moment that you do that, you are at peace with God. You know, we think about peace. Peace is a wonderful thing, right? And sometimes it doesn't feel like we have that peace. I want you to know that peace is not a feeling. Feelings are fleeting, but peace endures forever. Many years ago, there was a British pastor who published a wonderful hymn book, and he entitled this hymnal, Only Hymns. Uh, It was entitled Only Hymns because it was written in only Britain, right? And uh, over in England, and it became just an immediate bestseller. All the songs were loved and sung by the congregations all over England. That is except for one hymn. Hymn number 41. It was largely ignored. Hymn number 41 was entitled, Face Review and Expectations. The author of this hymn made no further mention of hymn number 41 in his diaries. He lived another 30 years after he published this hymn, and didn't say anything else about hymn number 41. For a hundred years, the hymn never caught on with churchgoers or with anyone else. Hymn number 41 only made one appearance in all the other hymnal books that were published in Britain in the 18th and the 19th century. It was a hymn without honor in its own country. But when hymn number 41 came across the seas and came over here to the United States, it was tweaked just a little bit. It was given a new tune. The lyrics were not changed, but a verse was added. And a famous singer on December 10th, 1947, sang this song. Mahaley Jackson recorded a version of this hymn. Eventually, this obscure hymn, which is known today as Amazing Grace, 
has become what one person has called the spiritual national anthem of America. Its original author, the pastor and theologian John Newton, would have been astonished to see the universal acceptance of hymn number 41, a hymn that he wrote over 250 years ago for his local church congregation. When he composed that hymn, it turned into a global anthem. You know, that hymn didn't just become a great hymn in 1947. That was a great hymn when it was written. It just took some time for that hymn to take the traction and to get known and to be well-received. I think it's the same thing about our peace. Uh, Sometimes we don't feel that peace because there's so many things happening in our lives. But I want you to know the peace that God gives you has nothing to do with your circumstances. It has everything to do with you completely surrendering to Him. That peace is given to us instantaneously. That peace is continuously given to us. And that is the ultimate peace that we have as our hope is in Christ alone. There's a future tense to this peace. Hope that does not put us to shame. Well, I hope you join me tomorrow as we finish up this message on being justified by faith. Now, if I can help you with anything, please feel free to give me a call, 757-421-7500 or 252-267-2365. That's my cell phone. You can leave me a text message and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. God bless you. Thank you for listening today. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. We meet at 9 o'clock or 10.30. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.